Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Taylor Walker from Tap Into Greater Olean, and welcome to today's weekly podcast. Today we are welcomed by Chris Laka, St. Bonaventure graduate of 79 and Senior Vice President of Corporate Communications at ESPN. And we are also welcomed by Mike Vaccaro, St. Bonaventure graduate of 89 and a sports columnist for the New York Post. Thank you guys so much for joining me today while you've had your little time here at Bonaventure. Yeah, it's great to join you, Taylor. Awesome. Thank you for that. So today there will be a uh, panel of about five journalists talking about facts matter. So I think this could be some topic of discussion and maybe reminisce on some good old Bonaventure memories that we have. Sure. Sound good? Sure. Okay. So both coming out of the journalism school at St. Bonaventure, I was curious, how did you guys end up with the jobs you're in now? It in the way, it's similar, but also very different. So if you guys could just talk a little bit about that, that would be awesome. I'll defer to my hero, Mr. Wapaka. Okay. I was going to defer to Vac, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. I'll, I'll, you know, age before beauty, I guess I'll go first. I wasn't right. going to say that, but <laughs> no, some things get to be cliches because they're true. <laughs> that's one of them. So I came in here, I wanted to be a sports writer. I actually wanted to be what, what, what Mike is, and I, I, I didn't. Didn't know him then, but it's clear in looking back now I did not have the talent he has. And and my sophomore year, I was going to be named the, the sports editor of the BB, campus paper here. And I had an opportunity that arose to go work in sports information with Tom McElroy and, and on the other side of the of the fence, so to speak. And, and that's kind of dictated the course of the rest of my life. And I ended up staying in sports media communications uh, ever since. And, and so it was just... A friend of mine said, I think you should go do this. By the way, I was going to get paid $60 every two weeks, which is a mountain of money when you're in college. Sure. Look, of pizza and a, a slice of pizza and, and the scale was like $0.25. Cents. It was a joke how much money. And I didn't do it, but just thought I thought it would round out my experience and see which one I liked better. And so I ended up going down that path. Awesome. And for you, Mike? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I always consider the fact that I always think that I cheated because I literally knew what I wanted to do from when I was seven years old. Uh, which was to be a sports columnist for the New York Post. And I say that specifically because my dad used to work in the city and he would bring the, uh, the Post, which at the time was an afternoon paper, home. Uh, and, you know, he'd come home, we'd, you know, we'd get ready for dinner, and I'd just, you know, just take in the entirety of the New York Post sports section. I thought it was a miracle every day. How do you get all this stuff in, in a newspaper? And a couple, of, a couple of years later, we went to my first baseball game uh, at Shea Stadium, and my father pointed to the press box, and I said, what, what happens in the press box? And he explained what sports writers do for a living, and I said, well, why would you want to do anything else? And, you know, it's, it, it, it's funny. I mean, I, 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 I'm never quite sure if I, if I want to tell, you know, younger journalists to look at me or to not study me because I'm proof that literally your dream can come true because the only job I ever want is the job I had now. But I also, you know, want to urge people, you know, students that even if you don't get that job, you know, having the kind of ambition that leads to that kind of job or that kind of, you know, work ethic, at least that kind of job, is just as important. And you can get, you know, there are a lot of very good jobs and great career paths to take. And it's funny what Chris was saying. I mean, I, I worked in the sports information office also, and uh, Jimmy Engelhart was the sports information director there. And in, in, in my case, it was uh, it was uh, survival of the fittest. It was it was realizing that that probably wasn't <laughs> what I was cut out to do, as 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 uh, as uh, Chris's classmate Jimmy Engelhart will tell you, because uh, well, he uh, floated me in the SID department for a while. He, 
you know, more than one occasion says, you'll be a good sports writer someday. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so that's how I you know, wound up where I wound up. I mean, it's been kind of a dream path for me, but it's, uh, you know, see, it's a difference between me and Chris, right? You couldn't have had that same thing. You couldn't have said, I want to be the, I want to be the director of Corporate Communications at ESPN when you were seven, because there was no ESPN when you were no, seven. That's correct, so. and I didn't know that, that that kind of a role even existed. I did know about sports writing because I read five papers a day as a kid growing up. Right. It's a great story. I didn't know that your dad oh, went yeah? to the press box and said, that's fabulous. But it's like, it's, 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 I mean, on one level, I, I do love to share the fact that, you know, obviously there's there's no reason for to believe anybody who says, well, if you say, I want to do this as a job, and they say, well, you'll never do that. But, I mean, I'm living proof that you can do that. You can actually achieve what you wanted to do when you were a kid. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only thing that you can do and be successful at and be fulfilled at. And have a great career at so, but it's you know it's it's a nice way to actually have a goal, you know, and it's, it's it just worked out that way. Especially now, in terms of what's available, in terms of paths to, to there are n- any number of ways to communicate. Technology has ensured that's the case, and and you're only inhibited by how hard you want to work and your level of imagination, right? Right. It's, just, it's an incredible. I said to someone yesterday, uh, there are more opportunities available now for folks. Younger people want to get into this business, and this business is much more largely defined now than it was when I was here as a student because there's so many other ways to to, 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 to reach people. But uh, at the same time, and that's wonderful, but at the same time I think that uh, there's also so many more people who wish to do that. So the level of competition is, is also off the charts. You know, it's exciting. And I don't want to turn this into an infomercial for a beloved alma mater, but... You know, it, it's very it's because of what Chris just said that that I would say that that that, that St. Bonaventure for a mass communication aspirant is the perfect place because you do want to have your hands in 15 different pies. You want to be able to, you know, find out what's good for you, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's PR, whether it's advertising, whether it's you know print journalism, which is which was the case you know 30 years ago when I started school here is certainly the case now and is not the case in a lot of other you know, your powerhouse journalism schools, you know, you, you, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people at Syracuse who don't get on the air till late in their junior year. I know a lot of people mm. at Northwestern who aren't allowed to, talk, to to write for the student paper until maybe late in their sophomore year. And to me, I mean, the, the notion that uh, that I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, five different things, have a radio show, work for the newspaper, work for the, you know, work, work for the PR office when I was a freshman, which is what I did, because it was available, because because it's possible. And especially in our current media age, when I think employers are looking more and more, how many different things can you do and do well, and to be able to have that kind of opportunity to try different things and to experience different things like you do here, it makes the, it makes the you know the the, the J school uh, communication school rather uh, experience very valuable for for someone who comes here. I think now, especially now. I want to say one more thing. I know you have a long list of questions, Taylor. <laughs> You know, you got two Italian guys. I get it, and two, two journalists. Hello, welcome, so, and then you can go have a coffee. Yes. <laughs> no, but the, uh, at ESPN, we really value people who are able to communicate effectively in any different medium. You know, that is a skill, and I know it's taught here, so I, I agree with what you just said. Yeah, I guess being also a journalism student here at Bonaventure, that's some good advice for other uh, sophomores, juniors, and especially seniors, because they might not know what they want to do yet, and hearing your guys' stories, uh, they can either go for it, and if they don't get it, they always got something else to look forward to. So I appreciate you guys talking about your stories. I guess just still going on the whole um, Bonaventure um, alums, did you realize how much facts actually matter when you guys were here? I guess it's a topic of discussion. 
Um, it's a little difficult for us to realize until something actually happens and we have to realize facts do matter. So how did you guys go about that when you guys were here at Bonas? Well, I'm going to assume that, that it's, it's very similar now to when I was a student here, when Chris was a student here. It's a small school, and the rumor machine is, is generated, at least in my day, it was on 100 RPMs every day, you know, and, you know, not necessarily always newsworthy stuff, just, you know, the stuff that happens, you know, when, when a lot of people are living, you know, living close proximity to each other like they do on a campus. And, you know, I think you kind of learn, you know, I think I kind of learned from there just how important it is. You know, it's important, obviously, I think obviously, to, to make sure that the, the information you provide, you know, in your articles, your columns, your newscasts, whatever, is accurate. But really, when, in, in terms of living day to day in, in, you know, in a very small environment like St. Bonaventure, I mean, it's, it's important that misinformation is, is, is caught in its tracks because it could be really damaging for a lot of different people. I, I, you, know, you know, without going into details or stories, I like think we all know, you know, what can, you know we, we, just what happens when, when, when a bunch of people go to a party or a bunch of people go to a bar, a bunch of people gather anywhere, and just two people, you know, decide to, to have fun and make something up. But what happens, you know, two days later when that, you know, information trail is still alive and, and, and it's not true. It can, it, it can really be a, a bad thing. And I think that that could be incubated, you know, far easier on a small campus than it can, you know, in, in a larger city. So I think, you know, not only just the professional responsibility that I think was drilled early on uh, for me, as, at least as a student here at Bonaventure, uh, that was important, but also just to be able to, you know, to kind of survive as a, as a society on campus, if you will, uh, by, by, by not, you know, uh, spreading false information. I mean, it, there's, you know, a million different directions that can go, and it's, uh, it's so important to, to have a, a, a genuine and healthy respect for the truth and for facts. First year of the course I ever took on this campus was taught by Dr. Jandor, whose name is on the school, and he emphasized that constantly. And, and if you didn't have that point of view walking in, you certainly did at the end of my first, first semester freshman year. <laughs> it's never been a more important time to worry about what are the facts, because I just talked a few minutes ago about how many opportunities there are for people to find a role in the larger communication zeitgeist. And some of those outlets are not responsible. They willfully make things up because they want clicks, because that's how they're going to make their money and the repercussions be damned. It's dangerous. You know, and there are any number we've learned. There are any number of people out there who seek that, and they can find if people want to know just what they want to know, there are outlets who will serve them. It's dangerous, I think, for the, for the Republic. And I'm not going to get too high and mighty here, but it's, it's concerning. Right. It's concerning, you know. And so um, I love the, 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 the uh, subject matter today, and I think all these folks on the panel are going to do, do it a great, a great service. I think it's going to be an awesome uh, symposium that panel discussion that everyone can listen to online, so that's awesome. If you can't be there, you can just live broadcast it. So that is quite awesome. That's something that was available in 1979 or 1989. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What? What's that? Email? I never heard of it. Cell phones? Yeah. Right? It's a Jetson. In those days, it was a miracle that 88.3 wound up actually in your radio. What's going on here? That's bad. Oh, man. You've seen a lot, though, that we have. We've experienced. <laughs> so just going off of that, I guess I'd like to ask the question now in your professional field. Um, have you run into anything where facts do matter, where you've had to fact check so many things just to double check your own uh, liability? Well, I mean, and that's, that's a great point. I mean, the, 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 at the end of the day, which you want to make sure, you know, there's, there's, there's two primary reasons you want to make sure that you get your facts straight. One, just to 
professional pride. I mean, you want to, you don't want to be known as a guy who people, you know, snicker about whenever they write something because they don't trust it. I mean, part of, you know, what makes you a commodity in the media business is that people can rely on you. And while I'm a columnist now, I mean, you know, it, 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 in, in some ways it's, it, it, it's, it's even trickier and more important to, to make sure you're right because, you know, people are going to take your word for something and you have to have a, even if it's just an, an, an opinion, it's got to be an informed opinion and it's got to be the right opinion. Not necessarily the correct opinion in terms of I think this team's going to win, they lose, but, you know, trying to, you know, if, if, if you're trying to, give, to, make, to make a point about, about a player, about a manager, about a coach, about an owner, you better have your facts lined up or else you're going to look foolish. And the last thing any of us wants to do is, is to look foolish. But beyond professional pride, I mean, there's still a, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, there are repercussions for, for making stuff up. Uh, not every time and, and not every victim of, of, of false facts or alternate facts, however, however you want to describe them, uh, winds up you know, litigating the problem. But there are, there are those who do. And, you know, you, you don't, the last thing in the world you ever want to be as a journalist is inside a courtroom, you know, where you're not covering the, the trial, when you're actually in the trial, um, for any number of reasons, but obviously, you know, a, a bottom line one is, is you don't want to be liable for that, uh, both in terms of the cost to your wallet, more more to the cost of your of your, of your reputation, your professional reputation, which is, you know, really all you have to, you know, to, to, to be able to. That's the only leverage you have is what your personal reputation is, and it's so. You know, it's it, it's the only thing that you can really take with you job to job, and that's the, you know, the important thing to safeguard. There's a saying, uh, and I didn't coin it, I wish I did, and it, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, I'll get it wrong, but it's something along the lines of, a lie travels around the world before the truth gets up and puts its socks on in the morning. <laughs> and and social wow. media has, has enabled that. And, and it is tough to put toothpaste back in the tube. And so... Um, at ESPN, we drive clicks. You mentioned any outlet you, in our zeitgeist, they do a story on ESPN. That week, it is the most read story of any. And so people are looking for ways to get ESPN in the headline. It's just the fact of who we are. And look, I was there when no one knew who we were. Now I'm there when we're at the top of the mountain. And it's okay. I like where we are. We work really hard to get there. I'm, I'm okay in that whole thing. But people cut corners because they because of the economics of the business. And that's where I tell journalists all the time, I think it's important that you understand how the business works, not just where you're laying. Because there are folks who cut corners. Mike's not one of them, you know, to, to, to kind of get a headline, get a click, because they might get paid that way, or they might keep their job six more months because they generate that kind of attention. And, and that's the world we live in now, unfortunately. And so truth sometimes takes a back seat to expediency. And, and and so in my role at ESPN as being how we communicate to the outside world, I'm dealing with that all the time. I don't care about a tough story. I, look, we're not always perfect, and, and there's good and bad in everything. You could find it. I care about what's fair, what's accurate. You know, if it's tough, that's cool if it's right. If it's not right, now we have a problem. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah, going off that, Chris, sorry, Mike, uh, just real quick. I guess sometimes being a journalist and being a student, we're not sure – would we rather write the story and have it be fair versus biased? I guess being a student, we're still kind of, okay, do we want to write this story? Well, we have all these facts to check, or are we just going to try to go with the other side of the story? Does that make sense? We're still kind of, like, confused about that. So if you guys want to talk a little bit about that, too, um, it's okay to keep digging and maybe not be the first one to have the story out. 
You just got to have those facts right so you don't look bad. Well, the thing that I always thought was funny, Kristen, you know, I can speak to bottom of because that was my experience, but I know in talking to, you know, other, you know, journalists who are products of other journalism schools, um, all of these schools are very proud of their student journalists until they practice journalism on the school. You know, yeah. I've always you know, you go to the vice president of Mellon, well, I hear this. No, that's not true, and he knows it's true. Um, it was really, I, I, I know that when I was editor of the BV, uh, it was very humbling and very uh, disillusioning when I would go to, you know, to, to people that I respected because of the title and because I knew them, and they would lie to me because they felt they could because I was a student journalist. And all that did in my case was, you know, make me want to redouble my resolve to, to find the truth out for certain, on certain things. Um, and I understand that there is a, <clears throat> you know, there, there's a lot more of an intimidation factor for student journalists than there are for regular journalists because, you know, who's, the, who's your boss on the bottom edge? Well, it's the, it's the school. <laughs> so in, in theory, and this has happened at other places. I, in fact, I remember when I was, in, when I was a student, we had, we, you know, I helped organize in real solidarity with the St. John's student newspaper, The Torch, because their administration was shutting them down because, well, actually it was, it was double-edged sword, because of their attacks the administration, but also uh, student government that they had not supported had become in power, and so they were basically going to get shut down. And they just reached out to people, and I remember us, and the, I remember the paper at Le Moyne, and by, by seven or eight papers, just, you know, we, we we reported this and it, and basically shamed Saint you know I think I think the the solidarity shamed Saint John's into doing the right thing but you know I think for us the thing was well that happened there it could certainly happen here if if, if the wrong circumstance you know uh, arose and so I I think that that's the, the the you know a difficult question that all student journalists have to have to come across at some point you know is you know take the student away from my name I'm a journalist. Well, how do you prove that? Well, by acting like a journalist, by working like a journalist, by approaching things like a journalist. You know, I, I know it's so easy sometimes for uh, the student press to rewrite press releases. And, you know, and, 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 and if you do it artfully enough, long enough, that can seem like real stories because you, you you're getting fed the story and you're just getting, you're going out and getting your quotes. But, you know, after a while you want to do something fresh and you want to be able to do actual journalism. But I know it's a dance because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know the, the relationship between any student and the university is well. I want to get my diploma. How do I do that? And how do I have the fewest impediments to do that? And I think sometimes you know it, what's what's lost in a lot of other students at universities is how much student journalists put impediments in their way because you know they're they're, they're asking the hard questions that 95% of the rest of the student body never has to ask. I'm gonna put it to you this way: you can never go wrong with right. You can go wrong with fast, right? You have to find the right intersection of fast and right. Those two have to meet, you know. And if someone beats you but they're wrong, did they win? I don't think so. Yeah, and I guess that's just something that as a student, like here with the class that I'm in now, we're seen as reporters. And it has never been so awesome to be called an actual reporter, even as a junior still in college. Um, so I guess that's just, like, cool to hear. You have to go out of your way every once in a while, but you'll, in the end result, if you actually want to be a journalist, it'll, it'll help you out in the long run. I mean, one of the things you learn right away, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're in the media, and I think it's either side of the media, you know, you know the stuff Chris does and the stuff that I do is that, you know, a lot of it is about confrontation. And 
you know, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of benchmarks along the way that, that, that you'll have to address as to whether this is for you or not. You know, the rejections that come when, when you're applying for jobs, you know, the, 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 the awful hours, the, the, the lack of, you know, great pay, especially early in the career. You know, one Other than that, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, 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 but then, these are all things. And, and being, being able to, to ask uncomfortable questions and have uncomfortable confrontations is another one of those things that you ask yourself, all right, well, I have to do this. Can I do this? If not, then perhaps I should be looking at a different avenue. Um, but if you can, if you do, and if you, you know, learn early on that that's something that you can, that, that, that can benefit you, um, it's, it's, uh, it's only going to probably steer you more on the, on the path toward being a, not only a journalist, but, a, but, a, but, a, but a, good, a good one and an employable one. Right. So I guess, la um, not lastly, but also just lastly on facts matter, um, why more focus on it now? Obviously, some people have their reasonings why there's more focus on it now. But being at St. Bonaventure, it's always been focused. But now in the media, whether it's news, whether it's sports, it's the largest topic now that we've ever heard, no matter what. Listen, Facebook it was forced to come up with, with, with a way to let their billions of users around the world know when something that was posted was either real, reported, or fake unprecedented, right? And how many people use Facebook? Maybe not so many folks in, in college, younger folks, but um, Google's, you know, kind of under the gun for the same thing. And these are tools that millions and billions of people use every day. That, whether you care about journalism, understand its practice, how information gets to you, if you've never given it a second thought, you are now aware that there is this dialogue about what's real and what isn't. You can just choose what you want to do as a consumer. But it's in your face every day. That's why the emphasis, I think, right? No one thought about journalism and what it meant in its practice until the last 18 months, in, 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 at least in this country. And, and, and big tools are making decisions that are in your face every day, and that's it's like now everybody knows, right? And people are going to make up their own mind as to what they right. want to consume. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the elephant in the room is, is, is what the, the most recent presidential campaign and the first few months of the current administration is that, and I'm, I'm, no, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, this isn't going to be about you know pro-Trump, anti-Trump. But the but the fact is that this is a guy who challenges, who not only challenges others' facts, but has his own rather challenging facts, right? And so I, I think the stakes have been raised to where if you're going to report about uh, about about him, his administration, his underlings, there is an absolute necessity to be right. And to make sure you're right, because if you're not right, that's going to be ammunition that's going to be turned on you, you know. Um, and you better be. I think it's. I think it's the best thing that's happened to journalism in years, because uh, the accountability and the necessity to be correct, as opposed to, as Chris said, being first, uh, it, 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 it's never been. It's never been more important because it's. You know, truth has become a weapon, which is an odd thing to say because it's all about people's interpretations of the truth in a lot of ways. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that, that you know, on a, for every fact, there is a correct fact and there is a cloudy fact, if not an incorrect fact. And it's more important than ever now for, for people in the media to get those facts as accurate as, as is possible. It's interesting to me that this, this phenomenon that we're all talking about now has, has led to more people contributing more dollars to organizations devoted to good journalism. Mm -hmm. You've seen the New York Times and the Washington Post subscriptions rise. 
and, and you've seen that in other outlets less nationally known, and it's encouraging for folks like you who want to get into this business, mm-hmm. folks like us who, who are already in it. It's it, it's wonderful. You know, I, I always feel like with crisis comes opportunity, and we're seeing the opportunity uh, exist now for, for people to kind of get back to basics and for people to, to, to value, you know, the contributions that a free press brings to society. That's high and mighty. But it's the truth, right? You know, and, and uh, um, I think it's in many ways what's happening now is very encouraging. It should be for you who's, who's just starting out. You know, I think Chris could probably attest because, I mean, there, there was never more of a, of a spike in, 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 in journalism school applications than in the Watergate era, which was essentially, you oh, know, definitely. The, the, the agenda was commanded by, by journalists. And, you know, I know that, the, you, I guess your freshman year here was 1975, so that, yeah. was, so that, was, right. that was right in the middle of, of it. And, you know, I can't speak to whether, you know, it was you know, Woodward and Bernstein that made you want to become a journalist, but certainly in those times, I know that it was, it, it was very heady to want to do, to, 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 want, to want to be Woodward and Bernstein. And I think that, uh, you know, of course, the interesting thing, and I, about all that, and I think you still have that kind of ambition by people wanting to achieve things. But like when I was, uh, when I was asking a young person who starts talking about how much they love all the president's men, and as do I. I'm sure oh, you man. do, Chris. <laughs> you, you, you do also, right? And so, but the question I always ask, and I find this interesting, I say, so what's your favorite part of the movie? And whenever somebody says immediately, well, it's when, when, when Woodward is getting, you know, is trying to figure out, you know, Howard Hunt, and he's getting hung up on, and this and that, I'm like, yeah, you get it, because that's how the sausage is made. It's you know it's, 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 it's the part that some people say is well when Deep Throat basically tells them what happened well how did you get to the point where Deep Throat would trust you to tell you what happened exactly. that's the part that's the hard part of journalism right but uh, and I think that's what the great thing about about that movie and about uh, Spotlight which is another great journalism movie is oh, it, it's oh man it's, it, it, it's great it, yes it, it was neither one of them shied away from showing how the sausage was made and and the and the, and the ugly parts of getting of getting to the truth you know the the, 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 the hang-ups and the door slams in your face, and you know, in, in all the Prince men, they actually got a story wrong, right? If a critical part of the movie, they got, a, you know, a story about Bob Haldeman wrong, and, and, and that, uh, you know, but that's the kind of stuff you endure to get to the final product, and you know, it's, it's, it's important, I think, and, and to me, it's encouraging whenever, you know, I, I hear a student talk about those movies when they understand the important part is the getting to the story as opposed to just, you know, having the story itself be a finished product. Awesome. Well. As much as I could talk to you guys all day today, I know we're going to have a panel to go to later. So, Mike, we're excited to hear you uh, talk there. And, Chris, I'm sure you'll put your own opinion in every once in a while when it's needed. Perhaps. I've, <laughs> yes. I've, I've been involved in a lot of these. It's good to see some, some younger folks get the uh, – and Mike's great. He's, he's, he, I'm so proud of him and, and the other folks on the panel for what they've done. They, you know, I'm behind the scenes, which is where I ought to be. These guys are up front, and they're doing it every day, and it's a great beacon – for the school, uh, for you, and 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 for all of us who came out of the school, I'm really it, it's terrific. I love coming back to do this event because we get to celebrate and and look ahead a little bit. And what's neat too is that you know he's being very modest here. And, and you know when I was a student here, and I'm exactly 10 years younger than Chris, so you know when I was a student here is when is when Chris's career was really exploding and taking <laughs> off. And he's a guy along with other guys of his generation that when we were students we you know, look up to, and, and they were so generous with their time and, and their advice, and that's kind of, you know, been a, been a model that I think a lot of us have tried to pay forward for a lot of the, uh, the students who are here now. Well, I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to uh, talk to me about this topic, but also kind of reminiscing on some of your Bonaventure 
story. So I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully I'll be able to talk to you guys soon, and I'll see you guys at the panel. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to today's weekly podcast. This is Taylor Walker from Tap Integrator Olean. Have a good week, guys.